Welcome to Medically Speaking, Auburn's own medical radio show with host Dr. Mark Vaughn of the Auburn Medical Group and Larry Finney. And we are live. We are, we're live right here at uh, Medically Speaking Radio online. We have different ways that you can communicate with us and be a part of this Medically Speaking Radio show. You can be on Periscope if you know what that is. If you don't, we probably won't get you on it in time to get on for the show. Or you can be listening at medicallyspeakingradio.com, which you are if you're not on Periscope. And you, the way you communicate with us uh, is either through the chat function uh, which is on Mixler, the little radio player that's on the web page that you're listening to us on, or you can use Skype. And there is a little blue button on the right side of your screen it has an S in it. And if you click on that, you'll Skype right into the show and we'll be able to answer your questions. Rangemaster Larry, why do I call you Rangemaster Larry? Uh, that was a different show. That was, that was a different, different altogether show. show. That, was, that was a different world. That was a different time. Uh, how was your week? Uh, it was a fabulous uh, week. It was terribly hot here in the uh, region in which we live, and so it was not conducive to working outdoors, but I was able to do stuff indoors, like throw away the collective detritus of decades of living. Decades. Yeah, all the stuff right. that you collect over time. It's, it's time to start cleaning out and throwing away. Okay. Is that because you're moving? No, no, it's just oh. metaphorical for life. I, I mean, you know, you can... You're starting to make me sad. No, no, it's not that. Is it... Are you getting old or something? Um, we're all getting old at approximately the same rate. <laughs> Unless somebody is traveling at near the speed of light, and they're the exception. What happens to, if you the travel twin, at the speed of light? Do the you get twin young? paradox? Are you familiar with the twin paradox? No. One twin travels into space and travels at near the speed of light, and then he comes back, and he's away for, I don't know how long, maybe a couple of years, and then his twin is 20 years older than him. Has anyone actually proven this? Uh, did you hear about it on the news? <laughs> no. It's theoretical. Okay, good. Yeah. Based well, on speaking Einstein. of the news, what are we covering today? Okay. Medically Speaking Radio, uh, today's show will be a discussion about medical ethics. Specifically, I can't speak. Can you say me. specifically? Let me take this out of my ear. You know why you can't? Because I'm listening to myself. You can't know because of that Red Bull you just hammered. <laughs> you said it on the show. <laughs> Well, yes. We weren't going to do that. Okay. Well, we just did. Can I give my disclaimer so I at least have somewhat of a clear conscience? All right. It's the second one I've ever had in my life. I wanted to see what the blue tasted like. It has blueberry in it. All right. I got my answer, and yeah, I'll probably be speaking. Outstanding. With well, next week we're going to do gin and tonic. <laughs> which, which will slow down my speech if we did that. So, All right. So we were talking about the news. I was. Now, if I have this out of my ear, you have to tell me if somebody calls on Skype. Okay, I'll let you. I'll yes. absolutely let you know if a Skype caller comes in. SB 277. That which, is Senate Bill 2000 and what? No, 277. 277, California we're talking about. California SB 277 was signed by the governor June 30th, I believe. So within the last two weeks. And it requires school children to be vaccinated, and it gives a list of the vaccines, and they're all the regular ones in order to attend public or private school when this law will go into effect. And the thing that got my attention first about it was being at a meeting with some other doctors uh, the evening after it happened. And one of them was absolutely elated at the news of this requirement of all these school children to have to get this vaccine. Because as you know, 
most doctors, almost all, are in favor of vaccination and really want that for their patients because it's good for them. But you're probably wondering why I had a problem with it. Boy, you're having trouble keeping that steady, aren't you? <laughs> yeah, you know, <clears throat> we need a better stand for our little uh, camera here. Maybe we do. Maybe, maybe we should put like a, a little uh, uh, PayPal thing on the website and people can... <laughs> no, a Kickstarter. The, the, you know, buy, buy a decent stand for doctor, you know. A kickstand starter. Kickstand kickstarter. <laughs> Kick the can. We, uh, so here's, here's what's going on. This requires parents to vaccinate their children i like i like that they're going to be vaccinated that's that's a good thing uh, and if you want any any details on the whole vaccines being good and why some people don't think they're good uh, we've got lots of material on that on our blog posts both on medically speaking radio you just put in a search term vaccine or um, the blog post this week did you catch it, it was on the auburn medical group blog yeah plus um, it's going to be in the auburn journal they interviewed me this week on it and it'll be tomorrow or the next day There'll be an article. Okay, so essentially this. Um, when you say about the normal vaccines, we're talking about what? Measles, mumps. Yeah, I could go through the whole list. I'd have to read it. But yeah, measles, diphtheria, mumps, blah, 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 blah. Yeah, um, I right. believe hepatitis A and B are in there. And polio. And, and for most of us, either as children or as parents, we go through this whole thing of either receiving the vaccine or giving our kids the vaccine. Yeah. However, there is a certain population who, for whatever reason, does not believe in uh, getting... Um, Is that you or me? or No, you're getting a call. I'm getting a call. We ignore calls during the show. Unless it's from... Is it from somebody who wants to talk? Actually, no. It, did it turn off the uh, Periscope? It did. Oh, okay. So we have to restart the Periscope. But we can continue with the show. We absolutely can. Yeah, because we do have listeners. Okay. So the... Yeah, go ahead. You were talking about... Anyway, so there's a certain uh, segment of the population... That for, for reasons of, well, religious reasons or personal preference reasons, whatever, do not believe in getting vaccinations for the children. They're afraid that the, the side effects of the vaccines will, will be worse than the probability of actually getting the disease that they're intended to prevent. Yeah, things like that. Um, what is it? Uh, autism. There's supposedly some link yeah, we between have. autism and getting uh, particular vaccines. Yeah, and it's it's and, mostly that is mostly an urban legend. It, that has been right. de completely debunked. The, and the Hank Green video does a great job right. of explaining how people can think that in the first place. Right, and he, he this Hank Green video to which you allude explains the the logic behind why people believe this way. Not the, the logic in their belief, but the perfect, perfectly good reason that they might um, uh, draw a cause and effect relationship between yeah, these things. Yeah, it explains where it comes from. There's a reason they think it. Right. Well, it's a little bit like, yeah. okay, so I think one of the examples he uses is you start your car every day and it starts pretty much every day, faithfully, like the good old car that you've always owned. And then one day you go to start your car and it doesn't work. Well, what happened? Um, you know what? That day I drove through a, a rain puddle. Right. I wonder if that had something to do with it. And so you begin to associate... Um, unusual events with the other unusual events. We, we seek to find causality in our life because, you know, randomness frightens us. So that's right. If, 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 we, if we can find a cause, we can avoid that cause and avoid the negative consequence. Okay. That said, and, um, and we're trained to be that way, right? It, it's it, natural. It, yeah. So that said, the, there are, there's a, a population of folks in, in, in the U.S. of A. and 
all around us that decide not to get their children vaccinated. They rely, uh, I think, largely, and they're, they're beneficiaries of what is called herd immunity, right? So if 90% of the population, I'm right. just making up these numbers, right. if 90% of the population is duly vaccinated and therefore doesn't carry whatever X disease. It's not going to be around. Well, yes, the remaining 10% are sparsely distributed among the other 90%, and they're very unlikely to encounter someone who's got the disease. That they, that they are susceptible to, right? So the fact that they're surrounded by people who are immune makes them immune, in, in effect. In effect, yeah. Well, yeah, through... They're not truly immune, but they're just not going to get the disease. The communal immunity right. is what it is. The, the herd immunity. That's right. Okay, so I think I have this thing hooked up again. So we're back on Periscope. All right, so I'm going to point it at you and start it back up and... And there you are. So there I am. You, there I am. And here you are. Around and All right. I'll, like. I'll fix this. And just, we're sorry, Periscope folks. Yeah, just turn around so you can. For having lost you. Yeah. We can get back on track We're here. back. So, we want to get our body count back up there. So, yeah. That's right. so, so they, they didn't hear all that great explanation you gave. That, I know. That's sad. They're going to have to go back. On and, the Hank Green video. But they, they can get a link to that either through medicallyspeakingradio.com or, well, that's probably the best place for them to get it it works there yeah so we can actually have people come chime in either either on skype or on the periscope as we continue our discussion on this so you're probably at this point wondering why is dr vaughn against this law why would he have a problem with this law since he so much wants these kids to be vaccinated against the law that says vaccinate these kids at all costs no exceptions allowed that is the reason that's exactly it there's a a bioethical principle and by the way, just to give you a little bit of background myself, I attended St. Louis University School of Medicine, which is a leader in bioethics in, in the world of medicine. So as a student there, I had very good principles of bioethics instilled in me from the very beginning. I mean, it's, they start out your, your first year with the bioethics course. And there's a, a principle called autonomy. Autonomy is the ability of a patient to make their own decisions for what's done to their body. And it's sometimes in opposition to a principle called benefits or beneficence, meaning good, uh, where you want to do what's good for the patient. So you have this principle of letting the patient make their own decisions. You have this principle of the doctor does what's good for the patient. Now, when the two come into opposition against each other, the autonomy principle trumps the beneficence. So, so in other words, a, per, a patient has the right to refuse treatment. Even when it would be the best thing for their health. They have the right to refuse it. That is a basic principle of medical ethics. And I feel like it's violated by this law. Or dangerously words, close to it. You have the right to remain stupid. That's what we're giving people. Absolutely. They have that right because we would rather them be able to be stupid. But here's the problem. The whole rest of the herd or the community or us corporately, however you want to word it, are affected by their decision. And that's something that Americans seem to really have a problem with. The fact that we can be hurt by others' decisions. But that's reality. Yes, there's just somebody on, on Periscope just right. It, but it does affect the rest of us. And, now, and how does right. it affect the rest of us? Uh, how does, say, one individual's decision not to be, have their child vaccinated? Okay. 
the vaccines aren't 100% in their protection. So some people, even though they're vaccinated, can still get whatever disease you're vaccinated against. Small percentage. Not a problem when we're having universal vaccinations because the disease isn't around to for them to be exposed to. So there, there's no inoculum occurring, meaning they're not getting it in their body and even in a small amount. If there's a certain percentage of people who aren't participating, now the disease has a reservoir in which to live. And those people who are that small percentage, you know, one to 3%, whatever it is that even though they had the vaccine can still get the disease. Well, now these people are in danger, even though they were vaccinated because of this certain size group that can be a reservoir for whatever the disease is. And the latest disease that's been is uh, measles that we've been talking about. Okay. So it'd be a little bit like saying, um, you know, the TSA screens, everyone who gets aboard an airplane. Let's say, well, well, 10% of you don't need to be screened. We're just going to not screen you. Okay. <laughs> well, what if in that 10%, yeah, what, somebody's carrying through. a bomb or whatever, right? And can affect everybody else. Yeah, it will affect everyone else. Yeah, that's right. So potentially, let's, let's not be slipping bombs through. Right. Uh, but at the same time, though, you're, you're in favor. I would say you're not in favor of forced vaccination. No, no, it, we all pay a price to have the freedoms we have. Okay. Yeah, I felt I, like that was really profound. That's why I didn't well, say. So, so you have the dramatic pause. <laughs> Should and, have had hashtag in front of it. Yeah. Okay. There's other arguments. Constitutionally, uh, there's a, an assemblyman who actually practiced constitutional law. He's out of Orange, or is it Orange County? Anyway, allow me to read some of his argument. Okay. This was in USA Today. Now, he's saying that the way the law is written, it is too broad. He also wants to have uh, requirements of vaccines, just like I do. And just like I'm against this particular law, he is. And here's, here's his, his constitutional reasoning for it. He believes that there are four rights that are being violated by this law. He also identifies the autonomy part of it and that people should be able to make their own decisions. But then he also says it violates the right to go to school, which is a uniquely constitutional right in the state of California. So that's two things. Then he also says uh, the right to parent is being violated. Okay, so hang on. The right to attend school is violated because if I refuse to vaccinate my child, that child cannot go attend a public school in California. Public or private. Okay. All right. Okay. And then I'm looking through the article to try to find the fourth, and I can't find, I'm embarrassed here. Sorry. Oh, but anyways, he has three constitutional grounds on which to fight this. And what he's saying is it's just too overreaching. It's too general. It actually... Uh, the way it's written is not specific enough in which vaccines. I thought it was a list of vaccines. He says that there's a little line in there about whatever the state decides, or maybe that's what. Oh, and they're they're yeah. the devil. The devil's in the details there. In the yeah. details, yes. So we need to probably have the law, but just have it 
not in so a very limited fashion overarching it's just too general covering too much in other words delineate which particular maladies they that, that someone has to be vaccinated against and leave it there it, it, and yeah something needs to be different about it the way it's written now it's just way too overreaching it's way too much the state can do whatever it thinks well, is right for you if they can pass this law then they can say you know what Disease gets spread by people congregating, so no more assembly. Well, that violates our right to assembly. Okay, well, someone's asking, what is an example of autonomy working for good health? In other words, where, where patient autonomy is actually... Autonomy is not a principle of health. It's a principle of not violating someone's basic human rights. Okay. It actually more often would be in opposition to health. <laughs> okay, here's another example. Here, here we go. The state determines that HIV is dangerous and it's spread through uh, sexual activity. And if we were to require condom use in all sexual activity, that it would reduce the spread of HIV. And this is true. It would. So then the state requires that any action, uh, any sexual activity at all, requires use of a condom by law. Okay. There's so another way that, that of would be violating between married people or whatever. Okay. Or let's say they took it health. a different way. If they outlawed all sexual activity completely. <laughs> no, I'm, you know, this is, I know this is ridiculous, but seriously, you would, you would eliminate. Eventually you won't need laws because it won't be people. <laughs> well, it wouldn't be people, right? <laughs> oh. oh, did we just give the secret away where babies come from? No, we did. <laughs> Doggone it. Now the Russians are going to catch up with us. <laughs> Russians, that's so 1980s. No, but if you outlawed all sexual activity, you could, within a generation, make, make extinct all venereal disease. <laughs> Wouldn't that be worth it? <laughs> can, can they see your face? <laughs> no, not yet. You're so serious. Well, we'll work. I, we'll work on that. You know, I. It's but it's a solution, but it's Let's, an unworkable solution. That's can, my point. Can you suggest that to Senator De Leon? Yeah, the outlaw sex in California. Yeah, <laughs> right. Well, you know what? Actually, the the, the uh, natural law actually drives people back to vaccinations. Recall, if you will, uh, the so-called measles outbreak at Disneyland. Yes, not so very long ago. And when we say outbreak. We say, what was it, 25 cases? It was an unusually large number for a disease that didn't even exist back in, was it 2012? Or Yeah. What was that year? It, well, uh, was it here's the, last the point. It's, it's, a, it's a relative handful of cases. I mean, 25 cases against a population that, that numbers itself in the millions is, is, is it's almost a non-event. But whenever these little yeah. outbreaks happen vaccinations increase people run to the run to the doctor and get their vaccines yeah. which which is another strategy for getting people vaccinated that some would suggest okay well so someone's got a, a, a I, I think a kind of a non sequitur question but someone wants okay. your thoughts on statins they really don't play a role in the vaccine debate at all <laughs> And and I do prescribe them, by the way. Yeah, yeah. But uh, but I do believe. But now that's a whole topic in itself. And we have 
we have shows on that topic that you can find in our archive at medicallyspeakingradio.com because I do believe that the drug companies have been absolutely wrong in what they've said about the statins, even though I do use them. It's kind of like this law. I'm against it for reasons you might not expect. Okay, so this, this, this is the statin argument uh, tangentially related because of because this because our our uh, Periscope listener said that he's quit all statins. He or she has quit all statins. And now, sometimes this, you should, sometimes you shouldn't. Is, is this because of potential side effects of statins? Uh, okay, the the concern with recent things that have come out are not reasons to stop. Uh, a lot of people are talking about risk for Alzheimer's disease when it. Overall, if you're to take uh, now, this is an opinion. This is not based on I read a study that proves this, but my opinion, because of its role in reducing the risk of stroke and uh, cerebral ischemia or lack of blood to the brain, which is a major cause of dementia, a little risk for possibly associated with, and I'm not sure the evidence is super conclusive of uh, linking statins to Alzheimer's disease. It would seem to me, if you're trying to not be demented, statins would be what you'd want to use, not what you'd want to avoid. And that was one particular one that I believe that data was associated with, atorvastatin, or that's the generic name for Lipitor. Now, as far as real problems with statins, there are real problems. Uh, The myositis or the inflammation of muscle that happens in some people with it, that's very real. They get weakness and they get pain across the muscles, across the shoulders and lower back, the big muscle groups, and they need to stop taking that medicine. Also, it can irritate some people's livers, and that's why we watch liver function tests whenever somebody's on it. But I will tell you, the number of people I have to take off of statins because of these problems is, you know, maybe 5% at most. You know, I have a, a periscoper asking, what do you suppose this, this new ruling, this new California law will have on, uh, what effect will it have on the autism rate in the state? <laughs> Zero. You think? Well... Okay, let's look at this unless, way. Unless they change the definition of it again, which is why it increased in the first place. You know, in other words, if, if, uh, yeah, if you broaden the definition of autism, you'll obviously right. find more cases of it. You know, virtually every drug, virtually every medical uh, procedure has some sort of a side effect. Oh, yeah. Yeah, because we tested enough to find it. That's the difference between conventional allopathic medicine and alternatives to it. We know what our risks are. Well, not completely. <laughs> well, when, but, but we, we, we actually look and we find out what they are compared to places where you don't have rigorous study. Well, life is not risk-free. And don't we just tend to choose the path of lower risk? But so many people want it to be so badly that well, they will believe things like connections that don't exist. Right. That they'll believe that just because it says natural, it won't hurt me. That is not true for arsenic or cyanide. Yeah. Okay. So what or we're saying is that the, the risk of of getting measles, mumps, whatever, and this and the deleterious effects of getting that disease is a far worse consequence than whatever remote uh, yeah. possibility of oh, getting yeah. autism or whatever you're again I point back to the Penn and Teller video where they show visually what we're talking about as far as risks relative to each other, the risk with the vaccines is so, 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 so small compared to the risk without. Even though, even though you may say, hey, I may not even get measles. That's right. You may not. And your risk of 
dying from that is still so many times greater than having a problem with the vaccine. We have someone asking, other than the risks of autism, what other reasons are there not to vaccinate? What other, what other reasons do people pose for saying, I don't want my kids vaccinated? I mean, I know, for example, there are certain religious sects that do not. That, that would be about it. Uh, there, as far as real harm from them, you know, you might be able to find a case of some vaccine that somebody had a, a deadly reaction to it. But it's so incredibly rare compared to how common death from diseases that are almost not even around are. I mean, that's how rare it is. Now, in your own practice, have you had a patient react uh, negatively to a vaccination? Oh, yeah. Yeah, we have. Um, there's a new vaccine that, we're, well, it's not new, but it's new recommendation. And that's to give the 13-valent pneumococcal vaccine called Prevnar to all people over age 65. This protects them against 13 different types of bacteria that cause pneumonia. It does a great job of protecting the elderly from pneumonia and is saving lives before they're even at risk. So we have given, when we'd given about, oh, I'd say we'd given out 200 of them and we'd had two very sore arms at the injection site, very sore. And it lasted for a week or two. I think one of them probably lasted two weeks. That's 1% of the patients we've given it to. And now we've probably given 300 and we haven't had any more. So it's less than 1% had a very sore arm. So, so that was the reaction was a sore arm. Yeah. Not life-threatening. Their, and their no. arm eventually no. resolved. No. Oh, yeah. Both of them did. That's, you know, that's 300 we've given. Chances are, now, age 65, with the incidence yeah, would, would of pneumonia you, and would death you, pneumonia, chances are we saved a life. Right. I was going to say, would you consider that a fair trade-off, a sore arm for... Because what's what's the chance when someone over 65 gets pneumonia, what happens to them? Yeah. My question is, is it my place to make that kind of decision, weighing the two against each other? Or should I go the, over those stats with the patient and together... We make the decision based on their values for their health. Right. In other words, you don't just tie your patient down and say, look, I know better than you. You're getting this shot, dad gummit. That's beneficence. That's not autonomy. Uh, there's also the principle of informed consent, where I go over this sort of information with the patient. And that's something that comes back. Somebody was asking about the statins. Probably the statins are number one or close to number one issue where I sit down with the patient present them the facts and really uh, let them decide what they want for their health more so than any other thing, because it depends on their values. The statins don't give anybody any kind of relief from a symptom. Nobody feels better because they take a statin. And so because of that, and it costs money and there are the risks we talked about, the myositis or irritation of the liver. So I sit down with them and I say, you're not going to get anything immediately for this. It's going to be a theoretical decrease in your risk of having a heart attack or stroke. And we actually calculate as best we can what that risk is using a calculator developed by the American Heart Association and American College of Cardiology. And then if they say, you know what? I, I, I don't want to take a pill every day for something that may not happen. In fact, chances are won't happen in the next 10 years. And we go through that argument. We, we tell them, what are the chances that this medicine would make a difference in the next 10 years uh, in your risk for heart attack or stroke. And we tell them the exact, you know, is it one in 20, one in 10, one in five? And where does the patient draw the line that 
okay, I would take a pill every day if it has a one in five chance of keeping me from having a bad thing happening. Okay, then we'll prescribe it. You're, 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 well, I'm, I'm looking at the questions that are coming up. Someone's oh, okay. asking, what do you think of trans fats in patients' diets? That's a bad thing, right? Trans fats, those are not, uh, the, this is something to, to be avoided. My trans and <laughs> my, my saturated and non-saturated diet. I am against it. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, that, that's not the thing I'm, uh, <laughs> You're not going to campaign hard against that. You're, you're mostly... We're talking about another subject we, today. Basically, talking about topic. Patient, patient autonomy. <laughs> yeah. All right. Um, so what else? I mean, we, we, the law of the land is here. Kids have well, to be vaccinated, no, so... No. It hasn't gone into effect yet, and it's going to be challenged. And they've got four principles of people's constitutional freedoms and rights that it's violating i don't expect this law to ever be enacted okay because that was somebody just asked when will the vaccine law go into effect when is it scheduled I, to go I don't into know effect the date. How, how long do these things usually wait until the next uh oh, year? yeah usually it next goes month? unless it's an urgency clause uh there it wasn't. goes into effect january 1 of the following year so if it was just signed it would probably go into effect january 1 of the next year i of 2016 i don't see this going into effect I would like the uh, I would like the effect for people's health for it to go into effect, but because of my st- strong background in medical ethics, I don't want to see it. I hate saying that. Oh, I, I, <laughs> well, you sound like a conflicted guy. I mean, you, I really you, am. It feels Truly like I am the, uh, the 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 law is a good thing because getting people vaccinated is a good thing, but forcing them yeah. to get vaccinated is not a good thing. The ends do not justify the means i was waiting for you to fill it in right well so so there we go yeah you know it's to me you know you watch all those dystopian movies which are way too overdone at this time in history and they're all about this uh overarching control of a central authority that's what this is you know what blows me away is who's against this we always use the term nanny state yeah or who who use that's that's usually the Republicans or, or the conservatives are using that term to describe a law that the Democrats are for, right? Is am I right? Right. Or or Machiavelli or and, <laughs> and and who is it that's fighting this and saying it's for rights? It's the Democratic uh, assemblyman from Orange County. So Wait. It's, it's just an interesting mix of rights. There's and, a Democratic assemblyman from Orange County? That would be like oh, a I chicken with that. lips. Come on. <laughs> Nobody from Orange County is a Democrat. No whatsoever. What do you care? Yeah, never mind. You don't have to look it up. No, I'm, I'm really conflicted on this one. Well, you know, I we, we may have beaten that subject to death. We do have a question. Um, I'm sorry, Burbank. 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 Okay, there makes you go. Makes sense. Totally makes yeah, sense. Now, now we're there. We go. Sorry for those of you who are as perplexed as I was. You were right to be perplexed. Right. So somebody asked a question about they want to be a vegetarian yet they have Crohn's disease. Vegetarianism in Crohn's. Oh. Okay, so it depends on the Crohn's uh, and how badly it's it's affected their GI tract. They may have difficulty absorbing certain things in meat. You're, you're going to be getting protein and iron or a couple of things. So if you're going to go without the meat and we really want to make sure you get enough protein and iron, 
You're going to have to supplement somehow. Now, you can get protein from non-meat sources. Uh, unfortunately, the nuts may not be ideal for the person with Crohn's. Uh, for those who don't know, Crohn's disease is inflammation of the largely large bowel. Uh, it's called Crohn's colitis, referring to the colon. And they'll have this inflammation that makes it hard for them to absorb, causes pain, can cause bleeding. Uh, risk for cancer uh, comes with it also. High risk for colon cancer from it. So it's a very dietary and uh, digestive tract related problem. So they may need to really try to supplement the protein and somehow. Now, iron is not so much absorbed in the colon, but sometimes people have inflammation more than just in the colon. And, and there's a sister disease that goes with it. And it can cause inflammation all over the place. I'm sorry, I'm getting two diseases mixed up. Crohn's disease sometimes called Crohn's colitis, and ulcerative colitis. Ulcerative colitis usually sticks to the large bowel or the colon. Crohn's disease is more known for being um, end-to-end, like mouth-to-anus, that that large of an area that it can cover, although it's usually more in the central areas. And sometimes doctors will actually go back and forth giving a patient the diagnosis of one or the other of these diseases because they are so closely related, and sometimes they can mimic each other. So the Crohn's is the one that's more likely to cause problems in the digestive tract where you have the absorption of foods, whereas the ulcerative colitis usually isn't where the absorption is going on. So that's why a person with Crohn's would ask a question about getting adequate nutrition and, and trying to be vegetarian. It, I'm hoping that it can be done since this person wants to, but it may be a challenge. Now there is another, unless you have something else there, there's another topic we can touch on. Well, the individual saying that they would like to become a vegetarian, but um, because of the Crohn's, they uh, have to visit the restroom far too much if they if they go strictly on vegetables. Their, their digestive yeah. tract yeah, works a little too quickly. Yeah, it, it it's a problem. Uh, so, fact, is there anything that can slow the tract down? Well, that would be up to them, their their gastroenterologist, as to the safety of using medicines that do that. But they're often used in problems like this. Yeah, the, yeah, there are medicines that will actually slow down the transit of the food. You know, returning to the um, the vaccination law, someone asked about what, how would this affect our supply of vaccinations, or vaccine supply? Because there'd be more demand, because we're given a lot more of them? Yeah, yeah. We, may, we may actually see some shortages, uh, because every once in a while we see them anyways, even without this law in place. But it's just one state doing it, although it's a state with what percentage of the population of kids, so... Uh, yeah, I would expect if it went into place, we'd, we'd actually see some problems with shortages because of uh, short-term. Uh, and would the prices temporary. of the vaccines go up, therefore, because of the shortage? And You know, I've not seen prices go up when there's shortages. I, I haven't seen that, although you'd expect it. But I here's the problem. That's assuming a free market system. You know, everybody assumes that healthcare is a free market system because it's in the United States. It's not. <laughs> People don't shop around for the price of their vaccines. They go to a place to get it and they get it. And the insurance either pays it or it doesn't. Uh, so the, there's so many steps in the negotiation process that don't even involve the consumer that we're, we're not going to see that kind of normal supply and demand dynamics play out. I mean, you will if there's a black market for it, you know, go behind it dark alley and some guy gives you a tetanus shot hey but i'm doing tetanus shots here tetanus the, shot. yeah. <laughs> well who produces, no, man, i was just looking for some weed <laughs> who, 
<laughs> who, who does, who produces these vaccines? Uh, the, the usual uh, yeah, suspects, they really are. The, the drug companies, yeah. Okay, so but it's not one source. It's, it's several no, places no, that put no. it out. Uh, well, well, and therefore, for, if there are m- multiples, they would compete against each other. For some vaccines, there there's more competition than there is for others, and some of them there isn't. Some of them, it's just one manufacturer that has the one that's recommended. I can't tell you off the top of my head, though, but I can say that that is... Uh, what we see when we look okay, at what's Okay, but you're, you're basically thinking that this law, though it has been signed into law, will likely be hung up in the courts and fought and to happening. the point where it will just not, not occur. Yeah, and, and here's the thing with, with all of these issues. I say that because I'm very much in tune with the arguments against it. Somebody who does not share my opinion would look at those arguments against it and say, oh, no, that, that's not going to keep it from going into into law but the the people that know constitutional law the people that know about the appeals process better than i do would be able to look at this and give a much more educated opinion on whether it'll make it or not i think they have a good argument against it but then again i'm not a constitutional law student i I don't follow these cases all that much so we have uh, another another sb another senate bill that we can talk about that is sb 538, which last I saw was in committee in the assembly in California. I'm sorry, this is these are both California topics. It's because we live in California, that's why we talk about it. But it may come to your state if you live in another state, or your country if you live in another country. And this one is expanding the scope of something called a naturopathic doctor, or ND. Hmm, that sounds a lot like MD, doesn't it? Almost like they're trying to... Trying to sound like it. Be something they're they're not. Uh, Wait, so is a naturopathic doctor does not go to medical school? No, no. Now, they would argue, yes, we go to naturopathic doctor school, and it's just as rigorous, and we know everything a doctor knows. You know, if that was the case, they would have gone to medical school. Uh, I, I don't know what institutions sponsor these schools. They're, they're not with any uh, universities you've ever heard of. Um, I don't know if they're actually all online or if they, they even have a physical classroom somewhere. They somehow got a lobby strong enough to get the state or the California Department of Consumer Affairs to make a board that oversees them. I was just going to ask you that. Who, so who they, are, they are licensed in the state of California. Um, I don't know how uh, our legislators went along with that, except they believe this argument. Oh, they're. Just as educated and trained as medical doctors. Well, why? Uh, so now they're trying to expand the scope of what they do. Before it was all, uh, you know, waving their hands over you and the herbs and whatever else it is they do. And now they want to do surgical procedures. Oh, wow. Like and these invasive, people have not gone to medical school. Invasive surgical procedures. Nor do they have um, the same boards. It's all their own world that says that they're qualified to. So, you know, on the one hand, you could say, hey, let's just let, let's let the market take care of it. People want to go to them and, and get hurt. Let it happen. Eventually, they'll stop going to them. But the, my problem with that is it, my duty is to protect patients. And in my execution of that duty, I have to encourage people to tell their uh, assembly representatives to vote against SB 538. Well, one of our Periscope listeners apparently is in Texas and says that 
that sort of thing just is not tolerated in, in the great state of Texas. <laughs> I think go Texas. Was that Big Red? I, I don't know who it was, okay. but uh, he said that they the these naturopathic doctors uh, are are seen for yeah the charlatans that they are yeah yeah well we're in California. <laughs> True Which story. I still, you know, I like living here. I, I like being in the midst of, of all of this activity, uh, even though sometimes it's not what I would choose. Uh, I do still like being where I am. Yep. They need me here. You're, you're reading. Yeah, I am. <laughs> Some, someone said that Texas is too conservative, but yeah, I don't know. Yeah. For my taste, it's, you can't be too conservative. It's a, it's a scale. Yeah. For those of you who don't already know, uh, Larry's on the conservative side and I'm on the not as conservative side. No, He's a flaming socialist. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, maybe I am. You know, come to think of it. You know, we have this argument all the time about socialized medicine. Uh, I talked to my wife about it because she's our biller and she, she knows uh, the billing side and she knows medical economics probably better than I do. Someone, someone's asking uh, about, about these naturopathic doctors. Do you yeah. know any? Do you know any or no friends of friends? I have to be careful. Yes. Yes. Um, What's quite interesting is there was a medical doctor in town. I actually treated my grandma years ago in the 70s. And uh, he was in practice for a long time. When he finally closed his practice, he essentially gave me, at least that was my impression, his practice. He he put my name down for his patients for somewhere to go. I didn't buy his practice. I, I really need to thank him in person. Um, I've only seen him a couple times, and I've never actually met him face-to-face. So um, it was just the most ultimate kind act that somebody could do for another person. Well, his daughter is the, the local naturopath, <laughs> so maybe I should be a little easy on them. Yeah, yeah. Well, isn't there some sort of crossover, someone's asking, between the naturopathic doctor and the traditional medical doctor? That Interesting they ask. You know, grounds that, um, on which you agree. There's... Well, you know, I like to go with anybody who watches my periscopes knows that I would go with the natural non-pill cure before anything else. Well, not always, but I have a leaning that way. In other words, resolve things at the lowest possible level. Yeah, yeah. Let's try to avoid the medicines with all of the uh, unintended consequences you can get with those if there's another way to take care of things. That's why I'm so much into good sleep, nutrition, uh, regular exercise and activity, although you wouldn't know about nutrition after what I drank on the last periscope. Uh, that, like I said, that was only the second one I've ever had. But uh, And someone comments that, well, what you're describing is naturopathic. Yeah, yeah. So uh, I, as a medical doctor, want you to do that first before we go into these other things. Now, it doesn't mean I won't give a cortisone shot at the first uh, complaint of shoulder pain if the patient wants it because... Hey, it works. If you watch any of those periscopes where we're given the shots um, that we've archived on the uh, Auburn Medical Group channel on YouTube, you can see how could you not give that to a patient with that instant you know, re- return of range of motion. But I, I do, before you see that camera turn on, I do have the discussion with the patient and you don't see it on periscope because those people choose not to. A lot of them choose to take my advice of, you know, give it a month, do the physical therapy, if it's still a problem, we can give you the shot at that point. But it's better to do the therapy and to avoid the pharmaceuticals if you can. Then you have this crossover. I had a patient drop off a card of a guy 
who this is crazy. Uh, he's a chiropractor. So his initials after his name are DC and we all know what that is. And then comma and then MD, but in parentheses P MD parentheses P. So the patient is convinced that this guy is a medical doctor and is trained and educated as a medical doctor and is open to alternative treatments. That's what the patient thinks. Well, we looked up to find out what MDP is because this guy is nowhere in the state board registry of medical doctors. He's not licensed in the state of California. What we found is that they have these initials MD with a P after it. And I have no idea what the MDP stands for, but it's some kind of a uh, quasi-religious uh, group that uh, heals through. Oh, it was way out there. Um, I'm trying to remember was not quite to aliens although it may have been. I mean, it was that weird when I read about it. And you guys can just look it up on Wikipedia, MD parentheses P, and see what these people are. And so this was kind of a, appeared to be the, the crossover or the, the hybrid that this patient's talking about. There is a, a, a school that I do like that is a bit of a crossover, and that's the uh, osteopathy, D-O, doctor of osteopathy, the osteopathic, I'll call medical schools, because these people do go to a four-year school like a medical school. We have, I think, three or four in California. Uh, One of the old ones is in Kirksville, Missouri, which I went on many rotations with students and residents from that program when I was in St. Louis, and some in in Kansas City. And the DO, you will see side-by-side with the medical doctor in many residency programs. You'll see them in the hospitals. Uh, They have a board very similar to the one that the medical doctors take. And when it comes to residency, there is no difference. In fact, my residency has both medical that I did in Kansas city for emergency medicine has both medical doctors and DO doctors Mm -hmm. side by side doing the exact same training after they got out of school. So the, the, the school that they go through the osteopathic school is very, very similar, but they have a background that's similar to chiropractic that changed over the years to be more evidence-based medicine. And so if somebody was more wanting to go that way, I'd encourage them, hey, if you're looking for a doctor and you want somebody who's uh, really going to be able to have a good discussion with you about the natural remedies and the alternatives, I'd say find yourself your local primary care DO and run with it. Yeah. Now, someone uh, here on our Periscope observed something uh, very prescient, I thought, was if the naturopathic doctors are eventually recognized by the state of California. How would that affect? No, they're already licensed. This is just expand their scope. Okay. So if it expands their scope, how does this affect uh, insurance? Would we have PPOs that cover yoga now? Um, I think most insurances seeing what I've seen in conventional medicine, they really have good actuary. What do you call actuarials? People, people who look at the data, And what they do is they look and they see what keeps people out of the hospital. They see what works to keep the patients from needing to be treated with more expensive treatments. And so that's why insurances like now that they know the information and we have the data to prove it. They like covering preventive services. They like uh, paying for the use of statins and ACE inhibitors and diabetics, even though these cost them money. They like patients to take them because they like they, preventative medicine. So yeah. the whole point is the insurances like to pay for what works. And that's why I don't think that you're going to see them paying for the uh, ND treatment 
Now, if there are some treatments that they do that have very good data that show that they're working, then they're probably going to cover it. But if they have very good evidence-based data that show that's working, I'm going to be doing it too. (laughs) Okay. I'm not sure what that symbol meant, but is that? Well, I I think it's probably time to wrap up here unless our periscopers are. uh... All right. So are Got any final Unless questions? you guys have anything, or or uh, if anybody comes in on Skype, we also can take we can take one call before we go. We have listeners out there on on the uh, medicallyspeakingradio.com also who can also participate. You know, I, I do want to throw in a few things. People want to know how they can communicate with the show. You can by writing to Mark at medicallyspeakingradio.com. Also, I am encouraging everybody to give us a rating on iTunes if that's where you're listening to this. And if you do listen to podcasts and you're listening on iTunes, please tell us other podcasts you enjoy listening to because we like to know what other shows our, our listeners like. And if it's in the winter when you're listening to this, look at podcastawards.com and see if you can find us there to help vote for us for the best health podcast. So with that, we'll go ahead and wrap it up. Until next time, this is... Larry Finney. And we can request hearts on uh, Periscope, too, besides ratings on iTunes, You can, or for them to swipe right and share and follow. Someone wants to know what uh, iTunes name we're under. Medically Speaking Radio. And I think you can find uh, any podcast I'm on by just putting in Mark Vaughn, V-A-U-G-H-A-N. Okay, until next time, Larry Finney, Dr. Mark Vaughn telling you to stay in good health.